Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of Romans, chapter 13. Here's Pastor Ryan. I need your prayers through this one because the kids have given me their 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 cold and the, the bible says to be ready in season and out of season so here you go romans 13 amen, amen. Where we'll be beginning in verse 8 father um we thank you again for your love your grace and mercy we ask that you would uh speak to us clearly through your word that you would give us spiritual senses to just hear from you lord Remove sin. Forgive us, Lord, of our sins. Remove anything that would distract us. Remove prideful hearts. Remove hardness of heart. And Lord, just give us your humility to receive your living word. Change us this morning, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. We need you so desperately. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. All right, so in this chapter, Paul the Apostle is talking about a practical living for the Christian. Now that you know who you are in Christ, and you place your faith in Jesus Christ and the King, the King of kings that died on the cross for your sins, and on the third day, he rose from the dead for our justification. He's at the right hand of the Father praying for us. If he is your king by faith, then we have instructions now what, how we ought to live. And so Paul is talking about submitting to the governing authorities. And uh, last week we went through it. I'll just recap a bit. He says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinances, the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. And then uh, down in verse 6, it says, For because of this you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers, attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs. Fear to whom fear. And honor to whom honor. And so, you know, when I came to know the Lord, I realized um, fairly quickly, we all do, as we read our Bibles, as we study about our, the Lord, is that, you know, Jesus is the King of Kings. He's a king of a kingdom, and he's uh, very authoritative, right? Like his word is everything. He actually framed, created the worlds that we see, in the heavens, all by his word. We're told in Hebrews 1 that he upholds all things by the word of his power. His word, you know, will not fade away. His word is everything. So he's the king of a kingdom, and he's very authoritative. Hard for me to grasp in the early days because I came from a punk rock background, literally punk rock, jumping off speakers, slam pits, all of that crazy stuff, listening to anti-government punk rock music. Then I got into gangster rap, which is anti-government music, uh, and, 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 and broke a few laws that uh, I'm okay and, and cleared of, obviously, or I wouldn't be here. 
But I come from that background into God's kingdom, and he's the king. And it's like, I must, I must submit, I must behave, I must trust him with his authority. But I never looked at authority that way, that all the authority around us and above us has been placed there by God. And the Lord is saying to submit to it, because he's the one that placed it there uh, for our protection, uh, for our services, police, fire, politicians maybe. I know it's tough, but we talked about it last week, that we are to honor that authority unless that authority tries to forbid us from honoring the king's authority. And the king says that we are not to forsake the assembling of one another as is the manner of some. We're to get together. That's why we kept the doors open. I think we we kept the we, we closed up for like two weeks and then realized, oh, they're censoring half the country. Got it. I'm from the streets. I got it. They're playing games. So we opened up, not at the school we were at. We went to the park, met outdoors in the amphitheater. God blessed it. People started coming back to the church. And then from there, some guy comes up and needed to get rid of, of this place. And he sold it to us under value. And we got a church building in the middle of COVID when everybody was shutting down. Now, if they want to shut us down like the school did, because the school is under the bureaucracy of the government, now they can arrest me because I'm not going to close it down. Then my record won't be good. (laughs) It'll be good with God, though. But that's when you can biblically... Rebel against the authority. Amen? And when this was written to the church at Rome, the Roman Empire, Caesar Nero was terrible to Christians. And that's why so many of them uh, were killed, because they would not recant. They would not deny the Lord Jesus, which the government was telling them, don't meet and deny the Lord, and they would not, so they killed them. Women and children. And if you read the stories, man, it's awesome that even children would not deny Christ. Isn't that beautiful? So that's our heritage. And so God is an authoritative king. And Christianity works best when we obey his authority. All day and all night. He watches. He tests. He knows your background and mine. He watched me. He tested me. He, you know, I remember having a boss uh, when I worked as, uh, I won't say much because maybe, sh- maybe she'll watch this or whatever. But anyways, I worked somewhere at some time and didn't have a really nice boss. And for two years, like she would make coworkers cry, uh, just terrible, like use the scheduling as a weapon, right? Like not give people days off for their kids' birthdays and stuff. I mean, she was bad. So, you know, it's like, I had to do the job because she told me to do the job. God says, honor the authority. I didn't like her attitude. I didn't like the way she was uh, uh, being mean to the coworkers. Um, however, I just prayed, 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 and eventually they got rid of her. And I, so if you're in that situation where you have a hard boss or something's not, you know, you pray for them and, and get a different job. But it gives no right for me to just not do the work just because she's, manipulating just to be mean and you know it but you but it's they're not going to do anything because it's the state (laughs) 
but you learn as you obey. And God was 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 testing me if I would learn to obey and learn to trust Him. And and then I, I got a better boss. And and there's just so much to learn from the authority that God places above you if you're willing to open up and learn. You know what to do and what not to do from bosses. And and but this this spills into the family, of course. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church, to render the honor that's due to her as the weaker vessel, right? And to wash her mind with the word, but also the wife is to respect her husband and submit to him as he submits unto the Lord. And and the children are to honor their parents as well. And parents are not to be set on their destruction, but but to train them up in the love and admonition of the Lord. And so it's he's it's just authority is who our king, it's what he uses, he's a God of order, and that's what it's saying here. Be respectful, be respectful, honor, give honor to him who is due, give tribute or taxes to whom taxes are due. Um, be a good citizen, basically, is what we're being um, exhorted uh, to do here. And um, And the reason being is because ultimately we're submitting to the Lord in whom we are debted, indebted to. We are indebted to Christ. As Christians, we owe Him. We owe Him like we can never repay Him. I don't even know where to start with how much we owe Him. Amen? Romans chapter 8, Paul would say in verse 12, Brethren, we are debtors. We are debtors to the Lord to walk in the Spirit. Why? Because Christ is now has forgiven us of our sins. He's in us, and we read in Romans eight that uh, He did not give that we did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So God has forgiven us. He's given us His Holy Spirit. We are indebted to Him to do what He says. And what He says is respect the authority. Give honor to whom honor is due. Parents and grandparents, don't let the kids disrespect your word. Let your yes be yes and your no mean no. When you say stop, they stop. When you say jump, they should say how high. You know, they have to obey your word. And so, because God's a God of authority and we owe it to Him. In verse 8, it says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And so, we are debtors to the Lord. We owe Him everything. But He says, be good to one another and don't owe anything to the brethren. It speaks of of moral obligation. The word owe in Greek is ophelo, which means to be under obligation morally, to fail in duty, to be bound to be in debt, to be guilty as indebted. In other words, God is saying, like, you, we owe God, but we are not to be indebted to one another morally. We are not to rip each other off, 
hurt one another, sin against one another. We need to be very careful that we treat one another with love because we owe it to God. We are indebted to him. And our Lord Jesus, that night he was betrayed, he gave the disciples that, 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 that commandment to love one another as he had loved him. That was his final wish for him before he went to the cross, that they would love one another as he had loved them. And that is the calling. Love is the great gauge. Love is the great restrainer and accountability agent. I would say restrainer, like the Holy Spirit. Love. Love is a great restrainer. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. So he gauges our love for him whether we obey his word or not. There it goes. He's the king of a kingdom. And he says, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. That is how God tests us, whether we love him or not. And all of our problems stem from not doing what he says. And love is a great restrainer. Because see, love will compel you to serve the Lord. Love will compel you to do what his word says to do. Your love for God. Why does somebody not do what God says to do? There's a love issue between them and the Lord. They don't love him the way they should. And remember, Jesus said, if you are to come after me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me daily. The Christian life is a crucified life. It's no longer living for self, but living for Jesus. Whatever direction God says I am to go or you are to go, to be a Christian is, is, is to go that direction. It isn't to, to give them our schedule and say, fit me in where you can. When we die with Christ, it's over. Everything's over. Everything takes a back seat. He has every right as my Lord and my King to change my life. He's the king of a kingdom, and he has, he's not asking for our opinion. It's not the democracy of, uh, of the kingdom of God. It's, and we're, I know we're not used to it being in this republic and all, but he's king. And the king says that if we love him, we will keep his commandments. So the key to doing good is just loving God. The key to doing bad is not loving him so much. And then Paul here says, for the commandments, right? You shall not commit adultery, right? Which is the seventh of the 10th commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder, which is the sixth, which is um, you shall not bear false witness, which is the eighth. You shall not covet, and if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this very, in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was asked. Remember, he was questioned by a lawyer. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in Matthew 22? And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind, the first commandment is to love him that much. I mean, if you think about sports, and we want to play sports hard and, and, and give it our best, 
leave it all out on the field, right? Like they're going to do today as they're playing football. Leave it all out on the, just hard, right? That's how our Christian faith needs to be in the Lord. Are we giving them just all of our, 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 our heart, all of our strength, all of our mind to, to know him more? Because if we're not, we're not going to love our neighbor correctly. And that's what he said. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The key to loving one another right is loving God right. We have no greater duty but to bring our heart before the Lord daily and say to the Lord, I want to know you better. I love you, Lord. Here's my life. Here's what I'm going through in prayer, just talking to him. You know, thank you for your provisions. Thank you for my wife, for my children. This is what I'm going through. These are some hardships. I'm going through this. There's warfare. There's problems. There's this. There's that. Just pouring out my heart before the Lord. And then waiting and being still, knowing that he's God, being still, being quiet, no phone, no noise, and just wait till he speaks to my heart, read his Bible, pray some more, speak to my heart, and he begins to speak. The Holy Spirit begins to direct, begins to guide. We have to give him the space to change us. There are people who don't change, never change, yet they're believers in Christ. And in heaven, they're going to be way down here. Still going to be happy, but way down here in this compartment in heaven. We're trying to get up to more fun. Bigger rides. (laughs) You know, heaven's near. And I need more Jesus you can, you can gauge, love is the gauge. Love is the, it'll restrain you. He said, don't, don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't covet. Don't, don't bear false witness. I mean, what is he saying? Like Jesus said, if you even look at a, another woman, right? And so if you even look at another man, right? It goes both ways. But the idea of doing that, is a complete lack of love for God and a complete lack of love for the brethren. It is the love of Christ that will compel us to say, I'm not going to let my mind go there. And the Bible says that all temptation is common to man. Everyone in this room and everyone in the world gets hit with crazy, disgusting temptations that just flash in the mind and you're ah! But see, we have a moment, we have an opportunity to take those thoughts captive before God or let them fester and think about them and fantasize about them until you end up doing the thing. But God tests the thoughts. In fact, when he judges the world, it's not just their actions but their, and their words, but their thoughts. So when the thought comes in, don't condemn yourself. I don't think the temptation is, is sin on your account. But what do you do with the temptation when it comes in your mind? To hate a brother, to hate a sister, to be jealous of them, to be envious, to be covetous, to want what they have. 
We have so much in God that if we seek him, contentment and godliness is right there. And that is where abundant life is. We don't have to covet anybody's anything. And we don't have to shoot ourselves down when we're tempted. We just give it to God. He gives the He is the way of escape. You talk to him, oh Lord, take that thought and psh, get rid of it. That's the Christian life. Taking every thought captive. Why? Because we love God. You know why? It, love is the restraining thing. You know, it's like all of us are one decision away from destroying our lives. One. Destroy your marriage, your family, at one decision. But why don't we do it? Because we love God. Because we love God. And why do some people just say, you know what, I'm going to do it anyways. Why? There's a problem with their love for the Lord. They ain't giving him, ain't ain't a word, but I'll use it anyways. They ain't giving him their heart, their strength, and their mind in loving him. If they were, they wouldn't do what they do. Does that make sense? Love is the... Paul the Apostle went all over Asia Minor. He was beaten. He was battered. He was shipwrecked. He was... Uh, he had sleepless nights. I mean, he took a beating to get the gospel all over Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, the Middle East. What? Why would he do that? Because he loved God. So it was the love of Christ that compelled them to go for it. The love of Christ will get a person to do good and stop a person from doing evil. My wife and I like have a saying why, you know, why do we keep walking with the Lord after all these years? Because the blood of Christ means something to us. That's why you stay away from the temptations as much as possible. You don't get near it. You don't test. You just have some good accountability. I mean, if you ask me, in the early days when I came to know the Lord... I mean, I, I volunteered for anything in the church. Like, I looked at the bulletin, and whenever they were open, I was there. Oh, they're going to, to a, like, an orphanage in Mexico, Mexicali? Cool. I'll, I'll be there. I'll go. Cool. Uh, jail ministry? Sure, why not? Uh, juvenile hall? Sure, why not? I just, whatever's open. Bowling night? I'll go. With you. Yeah, let's bowl. You know, just anything they were doing so that I can have accountability knowing my own frailty as a baby Christian. I didn't want to end up back in the club. I wanted to love God because he saved me from the pit of hell. <clears throat> love, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And if you think about that, like, you know, as Christians, you know, we... <laughs> Jesus says, he who loses his life for my sake will find it, but he who finds his life will lose it. Like, if you live for yourself, you're going to lose your life. If you lose your life to serve God, you're going to find it. That doesn't mean that we have to have, like, self-hatred, okay? It's not, that's, the, you know, God loves you. You ought to love yourself to some extent. 
Amen? You know, you can't just, he loves you. So, um, so be good to yourself. Get a happy meal. Do whatever. <laughs> Clarissa, when we got married, she's like, you eat out a lot. I go, I come from an abusive childhood. You bet I eat out a lot. I'll take another happy meal. And uh, so I'm a anxious eater or whatever, whatever. But anyways, be good to yourself. You know, growing up without a dad, I mean, think about it. God has, set, has taught me to be good to myself on behalf of him. Do you know that? Like, you get, you get down to it. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.